Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Hello, and welcome to Voices. This is Cynthia Chaplin, and today I am totally delighted to welcome Michelle Schramm to Voices. Michelle is the recently appointed new executive director at Batonage Forum in the USA. Batonage Forum is a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women in wine and fostering opportunities that create equity inside the industry. So completely right up my street. I've been a personal fan of their work for the past couple of years, and I'm really excited to see what Michelle will create in her new role. So welcome to the show and congratulations. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me. It's a huge pleasure, and I know you are a very busy woman with an enormous amount of things going on, Um, lots of experience in the wine industry, and currently you're the Director of Marketing and Sales at Wren Winery in Sonoma. So I'm just wondering, how did you get interested in Batonage Forum, and what inspired you to devote your very valuable, and I'm sure in very short supply, free time, to the responsibilities of being their Executive Director? Yeah, great question. Well, I think just a little bit of a backstory of Batonage and how we began. I had the opportunity. I have been in California wine country for now eight years. Um, I've been in the wine industry basically my entire working life, which is, I don't want to count because that is always a little bit painful, but 12, 13, 14 years. So I've been, a, as you could say, a, wo- a woman in wine for many, many years. And um, I recall when Batonage began, it began with two incredible uh, powerhouse house women and a group of people that they gathered to do an in-person forum. This was in 2018. And I remember when this happened, I was so excited to be part of it um, as an attendee. So I, I went to the conference or to the forum. It was a day-long event. And the goal was to stir up conversations, talk about the challenges we face as women in the wine industry, something that felt incredibly relatable <laughs> as a woman in the wine industry. And I was so blown away by how empowered I felt, how seen I felt, how connected I felt. Um, and then and also learned a lot too about people in other aspects of the wine industry, maybe not in sales and marketing, but in, in winemaking and in, in other facets of it that have kind of their unique set of challenges. So it was a it was a pretty incredible day for me. I was really happy to be part of the, the next forum as well as an attendee. And then when Batonage launched their mentorship program, which is something I, I'm sure we'll get to at some point uh, as we have the conversation, I was able to uh, sign up and be a mentor um, for the level one and then the level two. And so just kind of have been able to follow the journey as a part of the community. You know, as the organization has grown, there's just more and more a need for it. I mean, everything that we've done up until now has been in response to what we feel a community needs, um, kind of really addresses the challenges that we face as women in the industry. And so to respond to that, you know, it's a it's a lot of time and effort for a lot of people. And um, when I had the opportunity to take on a larger role, kind of see us to what you could say that next phase of growth, it was something that I was just 
so thrilled to do um, because I think it's so important. And I think it's something that I care so much about and also just adore working with the women who are behind this, who have got it to where it is today. Um, it's something that is definitely a soul fulfilling and brings a lot of value to my, like you said, busy, but <laughs> a very full uh, life. It is it's quite enriching. So it's been an exciting few months so far. Well, I have to say I'm so envious because I would love to attend one of the forums. As I said, I've, I've been following Batonage for the past couple of years and and have spoken to lots of your colleagues, all of whom are doing interesting things. And as you said, we will get to the mentorship program, but I think just having an organization that is more a group of smart, experienced women who understand each other and understand their place in the industry and how to reach out and support and encourage young women or women from you know sort of less seen communities in the wine world to get involved. And I think that's very important right now. Not easy to get into wine. I know when I got into wine, which was way before you, I never saw it as a career. You know, it was a hobby for quite a while. So I think what you're doing with the forum is very, very important on so many levels, not just because it gives women a space to get into the industry and to right. feel supported. Yeah. But I think also the people who are part of the organization more or less full time have provided a visible, you know, you're on Instagram, you're on social media, there's there's a visual of you know, powerful women in wine doing fun things together and meaningful things. I think that visual is something that's super important these days. So I'm very jealous. I have it on my bucket list. I want to make it to one of the forums myself, one of these. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, make a trip for it. Um, we're going to be doing it in 2024 in, in May. Where's it going to be this year? Uh, so we're planning to do it in the in wine country, so Napa, Sonoma. And then outside of the forum, we're, we're working on a lot of exciting events that'll be more satellite and also with virtual opportunities. So looking to do something before the end of the year in New York City, for example, a little bit closer to you possibly. <laughs> but yeah, there, there won't be a shortage of opportunity for sure together, which is uh, really the beauty of, and the power of, of something like Batonage. Well, and a lot of my listeners are in the US and, and Canada and the UK. And I think just getting the message out there that this is you know an ongoing thing. It's not a static group. You know, this is a very dynamic group of women encouraging engagement in the industry. So I think getting the word out there. So if, if you didn't hear that, it's May in Napa and Sonoma in 2024. So that's totally my calendar. Yeah, you can go, again. I'm going to repeat this at the end, but if you're on our mailing list, if you go to the batonageforum.com, then you can sign up and that's how you'll get the communication on um, the exact date when t when ticket sales happen and also of course any other events that we do up until then and then after that as well fantastic well i i have to say you are my 100th guest on places oh how exciting yes very exciting i was no word of a lie i kind of jiggled around the schedule so that you would be the 100th guest what an honor you're one of these people who has held so many positions in wine over the years, as you said, your entire adult career life. Fill us a little bit backstory of how you got into wine and your path through the industry to where you are now. Because I think this kind of storytelling, if I had had someone to tell me these stories when I was younger, I think my career path in wine would have been quite different. So let's hear your story because it's a fascinating one. <laughs> Thank you, Cynthia. Um, yeah, and I loved what you said earlier when you said, you know, I never thought I would get in the wine industry. It's one of my favorite things about it is hearing people's stories because it's 
rarely uh, I set out to do this, um, which makes it all the more important for us to share, as you've mentioned. So yeah, my my story to wine is definitely not an expected one. It's been a wonderful kind of serendipitous journey, but I grew up in the Midwest in Missouri, so wine was not really part of my cultural experience or on my radar is something that could even be remotely considered a job opportunity, but I did. Oh, I understand that. I'm from Ohio. There you go. <laughs> Look at us now. <laughs> um, not, not very close to those places anymore. We did, you know, as I'm sure in Ohio there, you understood that wine existed, right? But wasn't necessarily on every single dinner table or, you know, not part of a daily life. And I will say though, Missouri was quite agricultural. So actually today you can go back and there are wineries and there's kind of a growing wine culture and wine region there, which is exciting to see, but definitely was not on my radar at the time. But I did love travel and I knew I wanted to speak Spanish fluently. I knew I wanted to leave the country kind of through a study abroad program. So when I was in college, I did one year in Mendoza, Argentina with the goal of all those things, traveling, learning Spanish, being with the host family, kind of living that experience. And it just so happened that the place that I chose to do that in Mendoza is wine country of Argentina. You know, I had a really great experience. I loved it. It it didn't necessarily make me think that I was going to work in wine, but I did have some experience with it. What I was convinced of at that time was I really loved Argentina and I wanted to spend more time there. So I ended up moving back after I graduated. And then because of the wine region connection, I got a job that I thought was going to be pretty temporary at the time in uh, the wine industry and with hospitality specifically because I was bilingual. And I ended up staying for over six years. I was in Argentina for a total of seven years. Um, so in that time frame, um, I ended up managing the hospitality program for a small family winery, a really lovely winery, very high-end wines, kind of a an iconic family in Mendoza, then it was like, no looking back after that. And it, it really, really touched the points that I'm sure will resonate with you that wine connects cultures. It kind of goes beyond language and, you know, it's a way to connect with people from really anywhere in the world to learn about a place as well, to make people fall in love with a place. And that was something that I, that really resonated with me. And so that's, that's how it began. And then I worked for a winery that Paul Hobbs here in California consulted for and imported into the States. And so I had the opportunity to move back to the States and work for him. So I did that about eight years ago, uh, worked for him in various sales and marketing roles, beginning with the South American portfolio that he managed. So as the import company and then moving into the California side as well. And then had the really incredible opportunity to connect with the Rain team with Carlo Mondavi and his team who are just really incredible, uh, a brand, a winery that was kind of in its startup early days. Um, I think I was their fifth or sixth hire, maybe um, something like that, Uh, but really meaningful, a lot of passion behind how we farm, Uh, a young team of actually a largely female run team, had the opportunity to join them um, to sort of bring their brand to also kind of the next level of of where they're looking to go, both with uh, direct-to-consumer sales predominantly, as well as with marketing. So I did that um, a little over two years ago. So that's been kind of my journey, unexpected, I guess you could say, but also um, clear as well. There was never kind of a doubt once I started on my journey that I needed to go somewhere else. Well, that's amazing. And I think, you know, as you said, I can relate to, I think there's some wine being made in Ohio right now. I'm not going to rush out there to taste it, but, you know, growing up in a place that was not wine centric at all. My parents didn't drink wine. There wasn't wine around. Um, I didn't really get involved in wine until I was in college. Coming from that background where there was no wine, I think when I discovered it, and it sounds the same with you, it was fascinating. And that ability of wine to bring people together, 
know, over over something that's such a simple product, you know, often made from just one ingredient and sharing food and sharing wine and you know, even when you can't communicate perfectly, there is a sense of, of community with that. I've traveled around and lived all over Europe as well. So learning a new language is always helped by a little bit of wine. I want to go back to your time in Argentina because you, you know, you touched on it briefly and, and the winery you were working with and, you know, the family aspect of it. But you also, while you were there, founded Fundación Servir, which was a non organization providing classes and workshops for local families in the Argentinian wine region, you know, in Mendoza and, you know, increasing job opportunities. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods and taking in the scenery. Now, back to the show. How did you make that happen? You were only there for, you know, technically, as you said, you were just supposed to be there for a semester abroad, and then you went back. What gave you the idea to start the foundation? And, you know, how did you reach out to the families? And how were you able to help them? Because I think vineyard stewardship is something that we should be talking about a lot more. We don't talk about it hardly at all in Italy. Um, I know it's being talked about a lot more in the U.S. Involving our vineyard stewards in education and drinking the wine that they actually are helping to make and teaching them about it, I think is so important. So tell me about Fondacion Servir and how did you get going on that? Thank you so much. And I I wish you could see my face because my smile is just so big. And this is, it's the one of the brightest uh, spots of my life really up until now and such a something that so... Um, um, important as well. So thank you for for bringing it up, I think. And it's also, you know, a key part of obviously my attraction to with Batonage with the nonprofit work that that represents. But that's always been so in the nonprofit sector to some extent has always been part of my life. When I was in college, I, I helped run an after school program for Hispanic children, um, mostly helping them with their homework because their parents didn't necessarily have the language ability to do so. So that was always something important to me. And then when I was in Argentina and Mendoza, and like happens all over the world, I know, you know, you have these really beautiful world-class wineries with some of the wealthiest of the world coming to visit them, you know, people who can travel from all over and large disconnect between the people who are farming the land, um, even, you know, in this case, the people opening the gate so that the, the, the driver can come in with the guests to, to visit the winery. And that was just such a, a glaring need to me to support this community. And where I was specifically, where the winery I was, was a little bit out of town and it was right next to a small town called Uarpeche which was largely Bolivian immigrants who either were there on their own or with their families, um, but because of the grape harvesting, right? So that's what had brought them there. While language was the same, so Spanish was spoken, there wasn't that language barrier that you would see, for example, in the United States, but there was definitely a lack of resources in that town. That was really kind of a direct result of the fact that this is kind of the Bolivian immigrant town. And so it was a little bit overlooked. And that was, of course, the case with all these little small towns in, in, in wine country of Mendoza, but this town in particular is where a lot of the, the women who, you know, helped us wash the glasses every day, um, you know, the people in the vineyards, this is where a lot of them lived. And so I had a really personal connection with them and, you know, started chatting with them, like, would you be interested in an English class 
or, you know, would your kids be interested in an English class? I remember going to talk to someone in the government and kind of shared with them my idea of doing some educational programs. And they were like, you do know this is like middle of nowhere and a bunch of Bolivians live there. And I'm like, okay, well, if this is how the government is feeling about this town, it sounds like someone needs to step in and support this community. <laughs> so I kind of like, I will take this as my call to action. You know, there wasn't really a library and et cetera, et cetera. So I um, just kind of <laughs> with a lot of grit was like, okay, I'm going to offer English classes at the end of the day and we'll do a class for kids and we'll do a class for teenagers and we'll do a class for adults and let's just see what happens. And I literally printed signs and put them all over the town. And I remember the first day, 40 children came into this small room that I had access to that probably had seats for 10. And I was like, okay, people are interested in this. <laughs> so that's how it started. And then it ended up being a couple of years. I think it was a total of three altogether where we ran after school time frames. We did English classes for children, teenagers, and adults. Uh, we did computer literacy, and then we would do weekend workshops that would be about nutrition. Um, we did a kind of a wine tasting class, a protocol class, and really with the goal of that feeling of empowerment and connection to, um, you know, separating that gap of you are down here and we are up here, but we are combining these worlds and helping them feel empowered and part of the process and also teaching them, of course, you know, the computer literacy was a really powerful way to support. And, you know, it was my favorite story, and this is getting a little bit lengthy, but my favorite story is the man who would open the gates for tourists when they would come into the winery was one of my students and he learned a few words. And so when the people drove in, he could say, hello, good morning. And just that ability to feel like he was part of the reception. He wasn't just there to open and close a door, but he was part of these people's experience and connected to, you know, the whole team and, and what was happening. It was just so meaningful and um, wonderful and very fulfilling as well. So we were able to service about 200 together. It allows people to feel invested in what they're doing. It becomes not just a job, but actually something that they suddenly are invested in. I, I think we've all had jobs at various times in our lives where we just felt like we were a cog in a wheel. And, yeah. you know, when there's a moment that you suddenly realize, actually, I'm doing something here that's relatively, you know, touching other people, it becomes alive. And that ability to make that man feel invested is really, as you say, it's a, it's special. It's a gift. You know, that, that's something that that person will never forget. Yeah. Yeah. Invested in seeing too, right? Not just, uh, not overlooked. And I thought that that was just, that was so wonderful. So yeah, that was my story. And I really, since I've been in the States, I've, I've dabbled in a little bit of, you know, I've done as much volunteer work as I can with some incredible organizations, Corazon Healdsburg, uh, the Botanical Bus um, that work with Spanish speaking communities. And, you know, it's always something I, I strive to do. I think right now my, my bucket of time for volunteer work is now dedicated to batonage, of course, but um, it's not unrelated. And it's something that we talk about as an organization, as well as how to support our vineyard workers and give them access to this sort of empowerment as well. Um, within the work that we're doing. Absolutely. I think it's just an exalted form of what you started with Fondacion Servir. I mean, please tell me that that's still going on, even though you're not there. Um, no, unfortunately, it's not. Um, it, it took a little bit of a different form when I left. And then since it doesn't exist um, anymore in that form, but there are still credible people do down there that I've connected with that are doing great work. So yeah, the, in particular, there are a couple things, but then in particular, COVID was a really difficult time in Argentina. Hopefully, hopefully, 
hopefully it'll come back. And I was there in November, went to the town, um, ran into a couple of people just walking the streets that were part of that in the past. Um, so it's, it's always there in the back of my mind is someday when I have more time to get back to that. So we'll see. <laughs> well, you never know. Hopefully somebody will hear this and think, right, I need to go and pick up the baton. And I think these are the things that we need to talk about more in conversations about the wine sector. You know, we've talked about misogyny and other things. But I think, as you said, people who go unseen in our industry, we're culpable for that. And I think especially women who, you know, we all struggle to stay in this industry. It's still very male dominated, particularly in Italy. But, you know, even in the US, especially after everything that happened with the Court of Master Psalms there, we have lessons to learn. We've learned many of them, but I think we've just scratched the tip of the iceberg. So what your background brings to batonage is really unique and and very needed. So let's talk about this big news. This, you know, your new position as the exec director and you know, the forum's only been going 5 or 6 years and it's grown exponentially since it started. So now you're in charge, you're the leader, you're driving the the boat here. So where are you hoping to take Batonage Forum now? What's what's coming up for 2024? What's your wish list? What's your bucket list for Batonage Forum? Oh, so many things. Um, yeah, and, that's, and it's great to dream. And that's what's great about the work that Batonage does is that the, the, it's just like you could just keep scratch. You scratch the surface and you can keep going and keep going. There's just so much to be done and so much need for it and so much excitement to receive it as well, which is so wonderful. It's just a matter of putting the pieces together, which is what a, what we're all doing. Um, so I think, you know, we, we've talked, there's a lot of, been a lot of conversations about who we are and, and what, what we want to do. I think first and foremost, knowing that the forum, the having in-person event where people can connect and share and collaborate is so important. I think, you know, the mentorship program was actually born from that, born from having these conversations. So going back to, you know, why we began creating space to have these difficult conversations or have conversations that maybe others aren't having so that we can figure out and discuss how how we can move forward as um, an industry and how we can be part of that change. So I'm really excited to, uh, we didn't have the forum this year in 2023. We're really excited to bring that back for, for lack of a better words, have that again um, in 2024, which I think will be really incredible and we're, we're really excited for. And then in addition to having that event, um, doing other satellite events that are for the, the community at, at a whole, kind of more broadly, um, we have some really great ideas and people to execute on them as far as, you know, really speaking to, we want Want to be as a resource for any for a, for a woman at any stage of their career, right? So if you're talking about, you know, maybe you're in middle management or maybe you're looking for a career pivot, you know, offering support for maybe you are in the industry already um, and there's something that that maybe you want to adjust or grow within. So creating um, support for that sector of the community, which I think will be really important and really needed. We have our mentorship program, of course, which has been incredible. We have three tiers, so basically a level one, level two, level three. Now finishing and it's third year and we've had I think it's 2,300 connections between mentors and mentees that we've had and just an endless number of examples of how this is really life-changing how connecting women with women and offering this mentorship opportunity for women is is really what can change the trajectory of a woman's life within the industry and let's say that number again so you've been doing the mentorship program for three years and you've had 2,000 connections between mentors and mentees that's huge 
that's enormous that you kind of slipped that one under the radar that's i i know about the mentorship program but i had no idea that it had gotten so big and so successful yeah and and the stories that come from it are just you know you hear we hear snippets of it but then too where you know you hear about women getting a job that they were aspiring to get and then did the mentorship program and then realized that they were fully capable and then were able to succeed at and just again and again having that support of women and also the networking that that allows for as well so with that too kind of expanding that we that's something that we want to grow we always you know could use more mentors and if you're saying if you're listening to this and you're interested in being a mentor that could be a plug that I'm, I'm doing now definitely that's a good plug to do because need more people involved this is a very active and and proactive way to help yeah and it's you know this is all everything we've done has been grassroots you know people volunteering their time to to make this happen so every little bit really does support that and you know we all we often have more mentees than we have mentors for and so grow, being able to grow our base of mentors will, will be really exciting to be able to offer that. And then the more we can do that, the more we can offer, you know, not only the mentorship, which is incredible, but supplemental to that, which is something that we do um, currently DEI training for our mentors, which is included currently in the program and then offer educational seminars and panel conversations to talk about specifically to the community of the mentorship program. You know, maybe it's talking about resume skills or inter, um, interview skills or salary negotiation, whatever that might be, being able to offer that, those sorts of trainings and conversations for women. And then our level three program within the mentorship program actually is paid work experience. And so um, expanding that is, of course, incredible, you know, offering women the opportunity to apply for an opportunity. Um, we've done Domaine Carneros, Domaine Dujac, so two, you know, the two world-renowned places uh, to make wine, offering that that opportunity to have um, a woman enter the sphere through that work internship is really incredible. So expanding that as well. And, you know, we we always hear, you know, one thing that I love about Batonage is that everything that's been done has been as a result of conversations and connecting with our community. It's been kind of within the community. So the mentorship program is a great example of that. And then as we continue to grow, it's listening to what is the need? What do we see kind of bubbling up as something that kind of is repeating itself and that we can attend to? really and and service and so speaking to that you know there's just such a a drive for that community connection and having a platform where we can share not only you know personal stories but professional and then also job opportunities and so looking in and looking at seeing how we can you know really bring that to life and support women in that way but i think you know more than anything we've seen that female to female connection that empowerment that comes from that and the conversations that can come from that when it's a safe supported space to have those conversations is where um, we see how we can impact change. And then you see, you know, the face of the industry is changing. And I think that's really what's the most exciting to see is to go to big trade events. And, you know, this is only, I only have, of course, my vision of what happens in the States, but seeing that become more and more diverse every year that we go, you know, we're, we are seeing the industry move forward. And I think it's, you know, thanks to things like Batonage and other organizations that, as well that are really tirelessly supporting, you know, that vision of really making it a more equitable space. Um, and in our case for women to access to grow within and to succeed and excel um, within the industry. Well, you are singing my song. I am very inspired to get involved now. So uh, I hope others who are listening are, but I think you and I will be having a conversation outside of this podcast 
I would love to get involved. But uh, I know you have to run, and I'm I'm so glad that I've been able to speak to you today. And you are destined to do great things for Batonage Forum. They are very lucky to have you, and they are very smart to choose you. So I can't wait to see where you go with it in the next couple of years. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to connect with you after this and um, see how to get you involved as well. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Michelle. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great afternoon. Thank you. You too, Cynthia. Thank you for listening, and remember to tune in next Wednesday when I'll be chatting with another fascinating guest. Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with a daily show. Tune in every day and discover all our different shows. You can find us at italianwinepodcast.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Himalaya, or wherever you get your pods.